0: blend in the romacraft house of brands that fits the exact balance of flavor strength and body you are looking for in that moment when you're finally able to take a short break from the world to relax and enjoy a cigar the last thing you need is a complicated sales pitch simple yet substantial tobacco talent time romacraft tobacco the after show the
1: after show the the after after show. show it's the after show immediately following the regular show but i know it's a few days later When you're getting it, but we're still sitting here with Colin Ganley, uh, who does trips to cigar factories all over the world, including Cuba. So I want to get into some of that, because the first trip I ever took to Cuba um, was with Colin, and I learned a lot from there. And I went on a lot of trips afterwards, but none. That was educational. Now I was kind of on my own. I highly recommend uh, that you do it with somebody that knows what it is, especially the first time out uh, going. But Colin, how is Cuba now different from it was a long time ago? It was. Yeah.
0: <laughs> do you remember what year that was? I don't remember how long ago it was. We went in 17. Uh, Maybe so 15? It, yeah, it would have been 15.
1: Yeah, I went with uh, Skip Martin, Mm -hmm. um, and the whole group of people, uh, we got friendly with each other and talked uh, now and then, we still see each other on Facebook, and it was a great group, and uh, we should do it again, the same exact group. Yeah, Um, There was a husband and wife team that ended up getting, they weren't husband and wife yet. Yeah, Keith, was it? Keith Queen? It was 2015. 15, yeah, yeah. and um, they ended up getting married and have a baby after, and- Great, great to see uh, that end up happening. See, I, I went
2: way before you did. It was either 99 or 2000. Oh, no. that would have been even before me. I think the first time I went would have been around 2001, 2000, yeah, I think, somewhere around uh, there. Mitchell Orchant okay. had organized it, so yeah. I got to go out on the Hunters and Frank out tours and everything. So nice. No. Yeah, the Eng- English uh, distributor. Yeah, it's, uh, Cuba's changed, uh, Cuba's changed a lot. And, and right now, because of, uh, with, with COVID, what, what the Cuban government did was they said you couldn't, uh, come into Cuba without, Um, Quarantining for seven days After you get there After you get there No matter whether you're positive or negative or anything And so people looked at that and they said Well I'm not going to take a vacation in Cuba If I have to sit trapped in a hotel room for seven days Before I can leave the hotel to go do something So basically tourism dried up And the, the problem with that for most Cubans Um the regular folks is that the people who are getting money from tourism are, you know, waiters, taxi drivers, people like that. They're benefiting a lot uh, from you know relatively small amounts of money that come in in tips or, or things like that. Even Make some a of big them difference. had their own little
1: restaurants, right? They yeah. allowed that happening, and that all must have dried <clears> up too. It did. So yeah. a lot
2: of people lost their jobs. Most people lost that revenue that was coming in. A lot of the restaurants closed, unfortunately. Yeah. Some of the restaurants that, that we went to uh, back on your trip closed. Wow. Luckily, there were some, um, some people who were able to persevere and, and cut things back. And now that people are coming back a little bit more are, are opening up again and are, are doing – there's still – you know, Cubans have always had to work with very little. Right, And that's always one of the impressive things that people see when they go there is they say, okay, this person has access to almost nothing, and yet somehow they're able to put together a, a first-class experience at a restaurant, right. or they're able to have a smile and tell a joke and just be happy with the little cafecito, even though they can't afford a dessert or whatever the thing is. Is it
0: uh, max mandate now, a vax mandate, rather, that you, you can't get into the country unless you're vaccinated? Hmm. No, I believe I believe right
2: now what it is, and I could double check it, but I believe what it is is that with a vaccine you can walk right in, and otherwise you have to take a test.
0: Gotcha.
1: Um, when was the last time you went?
2: Uh, about a month ago, oh. and then I'm going in two weeks again. We've got we've got trips uh, taking place. Most of the trips that we're doing right now, they're not. They're not what I call open sign-up. It's more like uh, there's a leader. So like a cigar shop owner or a restaurant owner or somebody like that says, uh, opens it up to their customers and says, hey, uh, uh, would anybody like to go to Cuba? It'll be this price, and and here's how we're going. And then we provide them with the itinerary and the guides and, and take them down to Cuba like that. All right. So the, the group that's going in, in two weeks, it's going to be a more of a cultural experience rather than a cigar experience. Um, we're just going to do very similar things, though, visit the tobacco farms, um, see. There's a problem with the hurricane. <laughs> so the hurricane sort of threw a wrench in, in the works. Uh, the hurricane went right through Pinar del Rio, which is where all the tobacco yeah. farms are. And so at the moment, the government's not allowing us to take people there. So we can go to Havana. We can go to the east, but we can't go west at the moment. That might be open again soon.
1: Okay, but they're rebuilding. And even when I went with you, if you if you're listening and you say, you know, I don't I don't want to, um, you know, week of um, all cigar stuff. We went and saw the Cuban rum getting made. We went into the nightclubs and saw the jazz musicians yeah. and. Great music that mm-hmm. happens. Very, very, the, the entire island, it's um, back in time. You go back in time, and um, the history of everything that ends up happening, there's a lot more to it than just cigars. Plenty of cigar stuff, but a lot a lot to it. Um, how about Americans going to Cuba? Is there that kind of got wishy-washy there for a while? Could, could, can we do it? So it's, it's, it's regulated by the Treasury
2: Department, and the Treasury Department has a few categories of traveler that can go and and if people go through us, for example, so anybody can go on the Treasury Department website and do their research and figure out what their requirements are for reporting if you go on your own. But uh, when people come with us, we just take care of it for them. So we put them in one of the categories, whether it's support of the Cuban people or something else. We make sure that their activities conform with what's required to be there under that under that reason.
0: How much are they allowed to spend money while they're there?
2: They're allowed to spend money, but there are certain places that are restricted. There's actually a whole State Department restricted list that tells you all the types of shops and restaurants and hotels that you're not allowed to
0: spend any money at. Evening cash?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's illegal. It's just like any law. There are things you can do and not get caught for, but they're still illegal.
1: Yeah. Gotcha. I was amazed while I was at the airport in Miami leaving, and there it said Cuba – And I was like, am I going to really be able to walk in here? And I got my paperwork to do it. And the next thing, I was on on the plane. Let me tell you, it's a short. The plane goes up and the (laughs) plane goes down and you're there. And all of a sudden, the whole world has changed at that point. Uh, It was fascinating to me um, what ended up happening. So I highly urge you never to do it by yourself, especially on the first time. The, The way to do it is where somebody knows the lay of the land and what to do and what to see. That's the way you have to end up doing it. So you put a company together, and that's what you do. So how does somebody find you and, and get a hold of this, and what what does it cost?
2: So it's the company's called Experience Cuban <coughs> Culture. So experiencecubanculture.com. You can email at inquiry. Or Colin at experiencecubanculture com. Um, and uh, the cost varies depending on the trip itinerary. It's typically ranging right now somewhere around the twenty five hundred dollars mark. Um, but it really just depends on the type of, of trip and the length of, of this uh, yeah. of the trip.
1: And you, you made it so the, the hotels are all set, the food is all set, It was nothing to end up thinking about. If you wanted to spend money on your own, yeah, yeah you could go shopping or do do what you wanted on your own. But if you it's it's Enough that you know it's it's all inclusive.
2: A person could get by without spending any money, but they're going to want to buy some
1: things and buy some drinks and stuff like that.
2: With with the recent changes in pricing of Cuban cigars, that also applies in Cuba. It does, except right now there's a there's a currency issue happening in Cuba, and so it's like if you go to Cuba, basically cigars are on sale. Hmm. Anything that's available in the um, in the official stores have a price marked on them based on a previous value of the currency. And so at the moment, everything is cheap. you say anything that's available. So is there not a lot available? It varies. Uh, When I was there a few weeks ago, there was a lot of stuff available. It was Mm -hmm. probably about 60% of the portfolio was available Mm -hmm. in in a lot of the shops.
1: Let's talk embargo for a second. For a while, it looked like the embargo was going to be lifted, and things changed, and maybe it became less of a conversation. Do you see that ever changing in our lifetime?
2: I, I don't know. That's always a hard thing to do, predict the future. I mean, you can see how, you know, people, the the, the loud community in, in South Florida is, is less loud as the younger people care less about it. Mm-hmm. The old people haven't really changed their perspective on it. Um, the Miami Herald hasn't really changed its perspective on it, which is, you know, sort of feeding most people's knowledge about what's currently happening in Cuba. So it's tough to say it's, you know, it's political and, and it's so hard to predict what's going to happen in politics. At one point, it looked like every Democrat was going to try to loosen it and every Republican administration was going to try to tighten it. But in the world, the way it is these days, it seems like what used to be Republican issues are now Democrat issues, and vice versa.
1: Yeah, and uh, it was the Castros in power, not anymore. They, yeah. They're both gone. They're gone. So, what changes happened there?
2: And they made an official request a few weeks ago after the hurricane to the U.S. for help. Okay. In the in the for help after the hurricane. Right. And in the past, they would never do that out of pride. They would go to Russia. They would go to somewhere else. And then, so this is. You know, this is often how these diplomatic changes take place is a conversation begins because of a tragedy or because of something.
0: So in order for the embargo to lift, it's going to cost us millions and millions of dollars. Most likely. Well, there's nothing
1: they can do for us so. is the russia situation complicated? I know they just sent a whole bunch of oil there. It could
2: I mean if it, the Russian situation has made Cuba worse off for sure because mm-hmm. one of the you know Russia won't send their airplanes through European airspace for fear of it being confiscated um and so there there used to be a lot of Russian visitors to Cuba mm-hmm. tourists,
1: and that's dried up so so part of the thing is that they have too much strength and character to. Give in to the U.S. Yeah. Great throw, Dave.
0: <laughs> Time for incredible feats of strength. Brought to you by Camacho Cigars. For six decades, Camacho have been working hard to build the best damn cigar around. And they have gotten through it all by sticking to their vision. The strength to do anything they set their hand to. Camacho Cigars. A lot of things have lined up for this show. Mm-hmm. And this is no exception. Here we go. Javier Sotomayor. As far as high jumpers go, Sotomayor remains the standard by which all high jumpers are measured. From 1988 until the year 2000, he's been the world premier high jumper. Over the course of his career, he went on to win seven world championships and Olympic gold medals and also broke the world record on three separate occasions. Till this day, his world record of 2.45 meters still stands and is the only man to ever high jump over eight feet. It's important to note that since Sotomayor hails from Cuba, he was part of a countrywide boycott of the 1988 Olympic Games. And even though he didn't compete in the Games, he did break the world record a mere four days before the 1988 opening ceremonies. Because of this incredible accomplishment, many people assumed that he would have gone on to win the 1988 Olympics. And one more thing, out of the top 10 best high jumps ever recorded, he has five in his name.
1: There we go. Hmm. There we go.
0: Um, so he was from Cuba. That's how it all. Right. I get it. It I, all I, ties in. I see the in. connection.
1: I see the connection. They have uh, athletes like that, and big baseball players, and yeah, uh, boxers. A lot of good boxers uh, too. Yeah, that's one thing we didn't do on the trip was go to a baseball game. But I think I had two stations on my TV and one in the rooms, <laughs> and they both had baseball games yeah. on them. So they're <laughs> big into baseball. We were somewhere where the baseball. Stadium was right outside the door. Yeah,
2: Pinar del Rio. Pinar del uh, okay. Rio has one of the top 3 baseball teams always. They just those farm farm kids eat their beans
1: and play very good baseball. There we go. So, uh Habanos is gets purchased. And some changes happened there. We, we we talked a little about the pricing and things like that. But has anything changed in Cuba that cigars are, are, are different besides pricing? Are they doing things differently there? We'd have to speculate about that.
2: Yeah, I, I don't really know much about it. The the only thing that I've seen them do specifically is raise the price, which made cigars available. You know, people slowed down their buying, and the cigars are now available in the shops at higher prices. But they're available all around the world now.
1: Yeah, so that's one way when there's a shortage of supply and demand, right? It's a a simple thing that happens there. We smoked a Cuban cigar on the Cigar Authority in the last hour. We smoked a Cohiba. We smoked Cohiba Dominican uh, beforehand, and you brought me a cigar here today, and um, I will start by saying this is the best cigar I smoked today. I've had a few cigars today. Mm-hmm. And this is the best cigar I had today. Um, the differences of the cigars I have, this one is packed with lots of different flavors. And the ones I had earlier today, taking nothing away from either of them, both of them were very, very good cigars. There's a lot of stuff going on. So what, what do I have here?
2: So you have a, a Connecticut, Ecuador, Connecticut wrapper. This was made. Um, it's funny you're having Rick Rodriguez on the show next week because um the factory that I made this cigar in is the same factory that he uses to make the West Tampa cigars. Okay. Um, one day when I was uh, when I showed up at the factory, all of a sudden they had all these decorations that said West Tampa, West Tampa. And I, and I looked, oh, look, there's Rick. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of a surprise for me that he was uh, going to start using that factory. But it's a great factory. Garmendia is the name. Um, it's a family business. They started... Um, they used to work uh, as employees at Placencia, and now they started their own cigar factory. Okay. and they rely on private label business to 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 feed all their all their orders. That cigar is mostly Nicaraguan fillers, uh, and and the Ecuador wrapper. Okay, it has a little it has a little bit of Mexican San Andreas as well.
1: Okay, wonderful cigar, lot a mm-hmm. lot of flavor. Um, and this is what I think really the American public wants this type of cigar, not the two cigars that we had earlier. I would say back in the 90s, the regular Cohiba Red Dot, mild and smooth. That's what everybody talked about and that's what everybody wanted. And but stuff. also
0: one dimensional. I mean, it, there, yes. there weren't a lot of flavor changes happening. It, what it started out as is what it ended as.
1: And the Cuban cigar I had started off okay and improved a little towards the end and got better, but it was still the same flavor notes pretty much throughout the whole thing. When you have something like this, um, Nicaraguan tobacco, man, there's, there's, there's really something to that. But like you said, uh, multiple regions. regions. Yeah. So you have Ecuador mm-hmm. and you have um, Mexican. Yeah, there's Ecuador, and
2: Mexican, Jalapa, Condega.
1: All of those are in there. There we go. And so are you selling this cigar?
2: Um, no, not right now. Hmm. Nope. Did, did you just Steve Saka us? You just yeah, brought us yeah. some shit. That you're in there fucking around. No, the the thing is, there's I'm I'm trying to work with the with all the people in the supply chain. So the fa- the factory, me, kind of getting everybody together to try to put together a a, a brand of cigars that's really not about like a person or not about. Uh, you know, one sort of, sort of head of the company, but it's more about the collaboration that it takes to produce it and to try to price it in such a way that there's not going to have to be a lot of adjustments to price where there's always going to be fighting up and down the chain about, oh, you're not paying the factory enough. Like the factory sets the price in such a way they can absorb all the issues that come up, which we've seen over the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, And I'm just trying to put that group of people together who all understand and can play together nicely enough that we can put something on the market in maybe a year, or two, maybe 18 months, that will be extremely stable, extremely steady, extremely good, and everybody feels like their participation in it is worthwhile and could be a, a big thing.
0: Well, on paper, it sounds like the most boring cigar I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, it's the Is, op- there, a, is there a backstory that that's going to happen on this? What do you it's mean? Not a, it's not about a person. It's, yeah. You know, you hear about Padrone, and it's about the hammer and and working his way up from nothing to something, and there's there's a reason to try it. What's the reason to try that cigar? You
2: know, the thing is, first of all,
1: it's, it's a delicious cigar. I've been smoking them for like two well, years. I didn't get one, so I, I, couldn't, and I, and I can't I really speak today. It is by far. It's not even close. To, now that this is an after show and we're not, you know, <laughs> talking negative about the two cigars we had, this is a cigar. I mean, this is lots of flavor. There's a whole thing going on. You know you're smoking a cigar. It's not overpowering by any means. It's overpowering in flavor. It's night and day. Night and day has happened between these. I've got some for you guys,
0: too. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks,
1: Colin. Well, you looked at me and Ed when he said that. Yeah,
0: he didn't look at you. At least my dry bag worked for somebody.
1: (laughs) The cigar has lectins in it, so you can't have it. You're Mm
0: -hmm. too argumentative. Mm
1: -hmm. Very
0: nice. Colin said I wasn't argumentative I'm not just saying this
1: because he's here. I'm telling you what a difference it's. This, this is what I should. Oh, you done with those two cigars? Yeah. Try this. <laughs> oh, geez. You, well, you, know.
2: Know, you know, it's the, the story is it hasn't been worked out yet, but essentially what the story is, is there's a lot of inequality and, and difficult that people go through to produce cigars. There's a lot of times where somebody gets shortchanged, whether it's at the farm or whether it's mm. the roller or whether, you know, somebody has to go upside down in order to make something. And the idea is that everybody's can afford a motorcycle everybody can feed their kids send their kids to school that that kind of thing if everybody starts off like that and with that in mind then one group isn't trying to get it over on the other in order to make a cigar because that doesn't last
0: i need to get in on that because i I can't currently afford a motorcycle so (laughs) i
1: I kind of feel like it's a pipe dream because a lot of the cigar people come from a humble background but there's a lot of egos in the cigar industry. Sure, I think you're trying to achieve the impossible.
2: Well, the thing is, I don't. I don't really need to make cigars. We have a great coffee company, and and, and we do okay for ourselves. And, and so, what I want to do is just kind of it be the enforcer in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'll, you know, I know cigar makers who who can do a great job, and with me blending it, we can make some great cigars. Um, people like the cigar a oh, lot, yeah. um, and there's a few other blends too, but. I just want to take time because we have to also find someone on the distribution side who's going to play ball and do everything the right way. And we just – if everybody understands up front what the terms are and and how things might need to change in the future, I think it could possibly be a a big long-term thing. What's the Spanish
1: word for consigliere? Mm. Because it's kind of like – feels like you're going to be that well, guy. Well, so he, he starts off with the factory, and the factory says, I want X, I need X amount of money for this cigar, and then you're going to negotiate down. No, what do you really need? I know what you need. Mm. You need this much. Would you mm. be happy with this? Yeah, I'd be happy with mm. this. The cigar wasn't even made yet. I'd be happy. It's enough for them. Move on to the next person, mm. and then price it. Well, that, because pricing, everybody
0: works the other way around. The other they way, say, yeah. okay, we want a $10 cigar, and by the yeah. time you get to the farmer, <laughs> he's fucked. Yeah. There's no money left over. Yes. Yeah.
2: So, or or when inflation or, or shipping costs rise, there's no room to to deal with it.
1: Yeah. You know? And and you don't want to be one of those brands that the brand comes out and then six months later, it's a price hike that ends up happening. I, I saw it at the trade show that mm-hmm. by the end of the trade show, the price went up on the cigar. <laughs> Thank God I was at the booth on the first thing, but I know mm-hmm. I have to go up on my next order that's coming up. I'm like, well, what's the matter with this? Somebody got greedy in between. Oh, we're going to be able to, to uh, raise the price of this product just the work has to be done in advance of it and to, and to have a, a a business guy that says okay I'm going to handle this because frankly you're dealing with farmers and factory owners and all these different people and stuff somebody's orchestrating in between I don't know if it's ever been done before but it's interesting to me that make this end up working all the way across across the board It'd be good.
2: It's pretty similar to you know the way the the vertically integrated companies operate. It's just that I want to uh, get people a little bit more involved at the beginning and make sure that everybody goes in with the same expectations. Because you know inevitably somewhere down the road somebody gets upset, and you know no, it's impossible to avoid that entirely. But I want to give my best effort to try to make it not well, happen.
0: Well, I mean, you look at probably the most successful agricultural growing spot is the the guys at Aganorsa, and that was started by a businessman. I mean, he looks at his margins and, and he, he makes sure everything's fair across the board for everybody, uh this could be a, a second uh shot at that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I like it. I'm you're going to you're gonna like be, impressed. You're gonna be impressed. You're going to be impressed with this. can't wait. And you'll be impressed if you go to Cuba, if you take the trip. It was always my dream to end up doing it, and Colin made the dream come true. I went back many times since, but to go there with somebody that knows the lay of the land, uh, w- once again, tell them how they find you.
2: The website is experiencecubanculture.com.
1: Okay, and that's all there, and I give my highest recommendation to it. You won't be sorry. You'll be happy you did it. It's a week long. Typically, yeah. Yeah, week long will do it for you. So that's it. That's the After Show. We'll catch you next week.
0: we got Rick Rodriguez from West Tampa Cigar Company joining us. Yep. And uh, stick the lid end in your mouth. You might like it. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.